This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Parshas told us 5783, Parak Chav Zayin, Pasuk Chav Zayin. It says, That Yaakov approached Vayishaklo, and he kissed him. We don't know if that's Yaakov to Yitzchak or Yitzchak to Yaakov. Vayorach esreich begadov vayivarcheyu. And Yitzchak smelled the smell of his clothing, and he benched him. Vayom, and he said, Re'ei reach b'ni kareach sadash ha'berech ho'ashem. See that the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that has been blessed by a Kaddish Baruch So, First, about the kiss. The Alshech says that a kiss connects two people together. The way the Malbim says it, it's Rucha Berucha. There's a connection between the spirits of the two people together. When Yitzchak Avinu kissed Yaakov, he was convinced it was Esav, this is how the Alshech puts it, and he deserved the brachos that he gave him. At that idea, at that moment right there, whether or not he realized it was Yaakov at any point, is not the subject of this shear. That's a subject for another shear altogether, what he thought and what he considered. That's something for something else. But all that matters is that the person that he kissed deserved the brachos. No matter who he was, no matter what he did, etc. That's the idea. The Abarbanel talks about that as well. But the concept is that as soon as he kissed him, he said, okay, now I'm ready. The Ibn Ezra says, whenever you see a kiss that's li something, in other words, over here, vayishak lo, whenever there's a lamid, that means it's a kiss on the hand or the shoulder or the neck. It is not a direct kiss on the face. It's somewhere else on the part of the body. That may help us understand a couple ideas. For example, by Yishak Yaakov Lirachel, not that Yaakov actually kissed Rachel the way a husband would to a wife, but rather Lirachel would be on her hand, on her shoulder, etc. That's the Ibn Ezra. They all ask on that. The Ibn Ezra says, maybe this klal is mentioned somewhere that we don't have, or maybe it's in a medrash somewhere. Maybe it's a Kabbalah that he heard from his rabbis, but there are some shilas on it. There are some problems with such a thing. It's contradicted by Rashi in Chavtes Yud Gimel, where it says, Vayinoshiklo, and he darshans that Lovan kissed him on the mouth to see if he had any jewels that he was hiding in his mouth. Rashi bases everything he says on Midrashim, says Evan Ezer, and the Evan Ezer, and the Ibn Ezra does not. Therefore, we would go with Rashi over the Ibn Ezra, even though we wrote his entire sefer on the Ibn Ezra. Right? Regardless, that's that. So, where did Yitzchak Yaakov kiss? It's a possibility that it was on the face itself. It's a possibility that it was on the hand or something else like that. The Ibn Ezra would say that it's on the hand based on what it says. Okay, that's that. The Sforno says the Yitzchak Avinu purposely smelled Yaakov in order to broaden his mind and allow his neshama to benefit from it. Since we know that the sense of smell is the only sense that we have that connects with the neshama. It worked because he immediately blessed him afterward. Right after this, this is the bracha of v'yitain lecha, the beginning of the sixth aliyah of Shishi, where it says v'yitain lecha, etc. It's similar to a navi speaking out in Nebua after hearing music, after hearing something that's very pleasurable, that he goes ahead and he says something out loud, right? And that's in Malachim Bays in Paragimel, Pasuk Tesvav. He then pointed out to his son, unlike the other Rishonim, right, who say the Yitzchak said this to himself, showing him how HaKadosh Baruch, who not only created fields that provide us with food, but also allowed it to have a tremendous smell so that our neshamas can enjoy it as well. That's how this forno says it. He wanted to point out to him so he could see how HaKadosh Baruch Hu does such wondrous things. Look at these amazing things that Hashem does, and we'll get back to that. It's a Victor Miller style. Tiferet Shlomo, 
the Radamsker says, that a bracha must be preceded by something before it. You have to do something in order for Kiddusha to be chal on that item. If you want something for there to be Kiddusha on that thing, you have to do something. A field is ready to be planted and then it will bring forth beautiful fruits. Yitzchak Avinu as well have to make Yaakov into a receptacle to accept the brachos he was about to give him and therefore he smelled him and that was the connection to allow him to see if he was ready to get that bracha, if that bracha was going to be given to him properly. That's the idea, says the Redomsker, and that's what he did. Yeah, Shlomo. You're right. I don't know exactly what the mice would be, but since we're dealing with a bracha, right, that he's giving over to Yaakov, it could be that it has to be something ruchni instead of something gashmi. You're right. It's not a real, you know, maisa. But the Redomsker has a big, long piece on this going through how this is considered readying a person for it. I just, you know, summarized it into three lines. But that's that. But the Chizkuni says, it was this smell that convinced them he was deserving the, deserving the bracha, not the kiss. The Alshuk says it was the kiss. According to the Chizkuni, it was the smell. And it didn't matter which son it was. He was ready to give it to him. That's why it says the word re'e, he he was convincing himself, saying to himself, he's ready for this. The Bechor Shor says the same. Since he thought that it was Esav and he trapped an animal so quickly, he was ready to go. It must be that a Kaddish Baruch who gave him the animal in order for him to do this, and Hashem was mosque him to give him the brachos. It's got to be that way. Why else would he have been so ready, so ready to go right then at that time? Okay, all of that is getting up to the main part, which is the Re'e itself. The Rabbeinu Yol says the word Re'e sounds like someone else was there. Now, again, this is something that I never thought about. Never. Who else was there when Yitzchak Avinu was giving the brachos to Yaakov and Esau? Was there anybody there? The assumption is no one's there because Yaakov Avinu was trying to fool him into thinking he was Esau. But Rivka Yimenu could have been there the entire time. Rivka wouldn't have said anything. So I would have said that who's the Re'e? See that Re'ach Bani Kareach Asada. I would say that he was saying it to his wife. He was saying to Rivka Imenu, see that the smell of my son smells like the field out there. But the Rabbeinu Yoel says one of two answers. He says either it was the Shechina, he was talking to the Shechina and saying, see that this is a person that's worthy of giving it to, so that the Shechina would be maskim to the brachos. But then he says he was talking to Shem Ben Yaakov. Shame Ben Yaakov, uh, Shame Ben Yaakov, who is there with him. I have no idea who he's talking about. I don't know if he's talking about Shem ben Noach, and that's what he's referring to. Maybe I have the wrong girsa in my Rabbeinu Yoel. I don't know who he's talking about. I, I, I'm Amish, I have absolutely no idea. So maybe it's Shem ben Noach, and that's what we're talking about. But I didn't even know Shem was still alive. I thought Shem had passed away a couple years earlier. That's why Yaakovino ran away and went to Yeshiva's Aver. Yeshiva's Shem ben Aver was over because Shem had already passed away. It should have been Yeshiva's Aver. I have no idea what's going on with that Rabbi Yol, or if he meant something else entirely, and I'm misreading it, or my girsa is a wrong girsa. I feel like something's wrong with what he says over there. The Tzor HaMor says that he may have been speaking with Adam HaRishon himself, who was trying to get out of the curses that he had received when he left Gan Eden. Yaakovina was connected to Adam Arishon. Yaakovina may have been a Gilgal of some sort of Adam Arishon. And therefore, by giving the brachos Yaakov, he's getting rid of the problems that Adam Arishon had. So maybe that's what happened over here. And that's why he told Adam to recognize the smell. You were in Gan Eden, he said to Adam Arishon. You know this smell, and you'll recognize it from everything that you had. That's another idea. 
idea. But it, this, these are some crazy answers. Whether it's the Shechina or shame in some way or Adam Rishon, the Rabbeinu Ephraim says, Re'eh means to understand something. It's like in a question form. Like, do you see this? This is incredible. What a brand new thing. What an amazing thing. And that's what he was doing here, saying it to himself. And that's obvious. I can't understand why no one says that Rivka Menu was there. That would have been the most obvious thing to me in the world. But nobody says it, so I, I guess that's not it. So I guess we'll have to go with Rabbeinu Ephraim as the most obvious shot of Re'e is not really like C saying to anybody. He's just saying like, oh, guess what? It looks like Yaakovinu smells like a, the smell of Gan Eden. That's what it sounds like. Okay, Rashi says, there's no smell worse than goat skins. Goat skins that are freshly taken off a goat. And let me tell you, those are pretty bad. I think we all know what goat skins smell like when you take them off a goat, Right? Right? We all know that one, right? So it must be that when Yaakovina walked in, it would have smelled horrible. The fact that it smelled good and it smelled like Ganeiden means something amazing. The field that was blessed by Hashem, according to Rashi, means the field that gave off a tremendous smell. He calls it a Sada Tapuchim, Stay Tapuchim, an apple orchard. That's what it smelled like. It smelled like the great smell of an apple orchard. Now, that takes a little bit of work, and I'm going to come back to this Rashi quite a bit as we go on for the next couple of pages. Rokeach says, Vayorech Esreach B'Gadov is 868, which is a gematria of Nichnas Im Yaakov Reach Ganeiden plus the Kola. Shach says B'Gadov is 25, referring to the Shechina as Ko. Kola is 26. That's what he ended up being. The Mizrahi says, referring to Yaakov himself, not his clothing. He himself smelled like a field of Hashem. Not the clothing, he smelled Yaakov. And that would make sense if he kissed his hand. Right? He kissed his hand, gave him a little smell, and smelled the reach of Ganeda, not from the clothes, but rather from Yaakovino himself. But the Sifse Chachamim, right, he's quoting the Nachlas Yaakov, seems to say that this is not the smell of Yaakovino. The clothes he borrowed, remember, he borrowed them, Rifke Minu gave them to him, were Esav's clothes that he had stolen from Nimrod, which we've talked about in the past, were the clothes that Nimrod had taken from his father, Chum, who had stolen them on the Teva from Shem, who got it from Noah, who got it from Mesushelach, who got it from Hanoch, who got it from Adam Rishon, who was given these clothes by HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself in Gan Eden. Those were the or, the oros, the big day or that he got from HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself. Those clothes smelled like Gan Eden. There was an attachment to them, something that smelled amazing on those clothing, and that's what Yitzchak Avinu smelled. Now, the truth is, this is the Nachlas Yaakov and the It's quoted from a Zohar. The Miam Loes and the Yalkuruveni in number 113 both say the same. But Shlomo, before we ask your question, let me go on for a second. The Miam Loes says that might be why it says Bigadov. Reach Bigadov, the smell of his clothing. Hold on a second. It wasn't his clothing. It should have been, if the Pusik is being truthful, it should have been Reach Big Day Asav. That's what it should have said. It should have been the Reach Bigadim, if anything. But don't say Bigadov. Don't say his clothes. It's not Yaakov's clothing. Yaakov didn't wear these clothes, right? He borrowed them from Asav. They still belong to Asav. Says the Miam Loez, as long as Asav had them, and before him Nimrod, and before him Chum, 
the clothes did not give off the smell of Ganeden. They did not smell like Ganeden. Only when they entered the Rishus of a tzaddik like Yaakovinu did they revert back to the smell that Noah had and Hanoch had and Mesushalach had when they were, and other Marishim had, when they had the clothes. Only then did it become wafting off him. Really, they were Yaakov's clothing that Esav borrowed. Yaakov was the rightful owner of these clothes. Yaakov was the one who deserved to have them. Not Esav. Even though it seemed to be the other way around, it can't be learned that way. And therefore, the Pasuk tells us, Reach Bigadov. In Bav Metziah, Kufya Dalam and Al Rabavo met Elio and Av, you brought him into Gan Eden. Right? He took a few leaves from the trees there, or maybe leaves stuck to his clothing, he didn't actually take them. But either way, he wasn't able to go. He was stuck there, and he wasn't able to go. And a Baskol came out and said, Who dares take from the next world into this one? Who dares go from Olam Haba into Olam Aza and take these things? So Rabba Barvua shook off his clothing. He got rid of the leaves that were on his clothing, right? And he was able to leave. But the cloak that he had that took on the leaf smell of what he had in Gan Eden was able to be sold for a tremendous amount of money that he didn't want to benefit from. He gave them to his sons and son-in-laws instead, right? But he didn't want to benefit from them directly. That's what the Gemara says over there. That's very similar to this idea of what it says over here of Miam, the, the Miam Lois is saying. The Moscow Dove says the message is very clear that when Yaakov walked in, it smelled like Gan Eden. When Asaph walked in, it smelled like Gehenna. It did not seem to be their clothing. It doesn't seem to be their clothing. So although this Sifzah coming from the Nachos Yaakov and seemingly from the Amloes does go into the clothing smelling like an Eden, it seems clear, says Moscow David, from the Psukim themselves that it was really him. Now, I don't know, because the wording in the Pasuk is where um, it's of a Yorach es Reach Bigadov. But then later it says, I'm not sure what it means. Is it both? Is it one or the other? Did he smell the clothing, but he actually smelled Yaakovino? I don't know. I'm not sure. It's very unclear to me what exactly this was. Before, Shoma, I still have your question. Hold on one second. The Be'er Basada says it was Yaakov's Begadim Ruchniyim that smelled like Gan Eden. In other words, Noam Agadim explains this. He says, every person creates their own lavush. And this is a concept that's brought up in Hasidic, I should say, like, you know, at least books. Like, for example, the Balatanya writes that there's this idea of a person creating their own lavushim, their own begadim, that they create out of their mitzvos, their ideas that they have over there. From their mitzvos, their maizim tovim, they create a lavush itself. If you attribute those mitzvos and good deeds to yourself, and what you were able to do, you lose the opportunity to be an anav, to be a humble person who deserves tchias mesam. And that's why Yitzchak Avinu said these words, hasoda asher Hashem. When you're humble and you tribute everything to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you'll be zocha to v'yitin l'chol okimi talashmai mishmani ha'oretz, rov dogam v'sirosh. You'll be zocha to the tal of tchias mesam forever, says Deber Basada. So I don't know if it really was. Like, maybe it's a combination of both. It's the begadim of Yaakov, you know, but not the physical begadim of Yaakov, but rather the spiritual begadim Yaakovinu, and that's what it refers to over here. Shlomo, what were you going to ask? No, 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 no. The goatskin is what he put on top of his arms, but he was wearing the ksonis apasim. And what he had, the, yeah, whatever he had, he had goat skins here and then the Ksonis possum on top of it. If the Ksonis possum was supposed to be something that made sure that you didn't go to work, then it could be that the sleeves were extra large and sort of fit over the arms so you could put the goat skins underneath so that when he, 
put up, you know, held up his sleeve, there could be goat skins underneath, and maybe that's what he showed him. Yeah, it's a good question, but I did not mean the goat skins. I meant that he was wearing goat skins, which would smell really disgusting, as we all know, and then on top of that, he put on the Rafagano. I'm going with last week's theme. It would be like, sort of like, we could do Curious George and the goat skins. We could do that also, can't we? We could do that. All right, anyway, but that's that. Why like an apple orchard? What's with the apples? Now, I don't know. I, I, I think it depends on the type of apple. Some apple orchards have a really, really good smell, and some of them don't smell that much. Like when you take an apple, right, like a Red Delicious or a Gallo or, a, you know, like a, I, I don't know, like one of those apple crisp, like the honey crisp ones, do they smell? They don't really smell. I guess if you have a lot of trees together, then the whole, you know, area smells like an apple orchard, I guess. But apples don't really have a smell. It's not like... I don't know, an orange somewhat smells, but I don't know. Ours are totally genetically modified, so I don't know if that really counts as a smell. But there are citrus fruits that I guess smell a little bit better than that. It's a little strange that he called it an apple orchard, and that's really the question. So Rabbeinu Yosef Nechamia says, B'nai Yisrael are called apples in the Gemara. We're compared to apples. It's in Shabbos Daf Pezayin, because just like an apple tree brings forth their fruit, and then the leaves, which is rare, usually of the leaves protecting the fruit, and then the apple grows underneath the leaves. But instead here it's the opposite. The, le- the fruit grows and then the leaves grow. So too B'nai Yisrael did something that didn't make any sense. They said Naseh before Nishma. They did that before the other one. They made something that doesn't make any sense. What's the meaning of this Maimur Chazal that were compared to apples because we said Naseh and Nishma just like the fruit comes out. So he says the idea. Leaves protect the fruit from predators. Leaves protect the fruit from the sun and bad weather. Without leaves, the fruit will probably die. They'll grow, right, whatever it is, but that's that. Apple trees somehow grow miraculously before the leaves grow. Before the leaves grow, the fruit is able to be that way. And Claudius holds the same way. We shouldn't exist. We're one sheep among 70 wolves, says the Rabbeinu Yosef Nechamia. They all want to destroy us, and it seems like we have no natural defenders. Anybody who's out there trying to defend us. Nevertheless, HaKadosh Baruch takes care of us. Derech Nase. Our Avodah Hashem mirrors that. It's Nasev and Ishma. We do before we hear. The same way that HaKadosh Baruch Hu protects us before anything comes about, taking care of all of our enemies before anything happens. None, so too, this is the idea that everything should be done Nasev and Ishma way. Yitzchak Avinu saw that his son was above the laws of nature, that Yaakov Avinu was above the laws of nature. He would be like an apple orchard. He would be protected supernaturally because the Avodah Hashem was supernatural. Because Yaakov Avinu would live his life of Nasev before Nishma, he was going to be protected in a way that was Nasa before Nishma, similar to an apple, and therefore he blessed him with Vihit and Lechad. That was the bracha that he gave him. That's an unbelievable answer. Similarly, Sam Sofer says in the last parak of Tainus, right, and in that Gemara and Shabbos that I just quoted on Pezayin, Tosu says, this is not referring to an apple, but an esrog. We know apples and esrogim are not anywhere near each other in the categories of fruits, not even close to one another. I have my questions. I'm not sure if there ever were apple trees that grew in Eretz Yisrael. I just don't know. I, 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 that's something that I would have to ask somebody who's a botanist, who knows the history of botany, and to know whether apple trees actually grew there. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we're translating the word tapuach according to what we have today or according to what we had back then, back in the day itself. 
maybe in the times of the Gemara, a tapuach was not what we know of as an apple, but it was a citrus fruit of some type, some type that was similar to an esrog. And to be honest with you, if we're going with the smell of an apple orchard, it makes a lot more sense to say that it was an esrog tree or something similar of the citrus family, which smell and have a tremendous smell to them. That to me makes a ton more sense than saying it's an apple orchard. I know that throughout that we have in Shira Shurim the concept of tapuach, tachas tapuach or atich. I'm just not sure if that's what we're calling an apple itself, and I don't know who to even ask about something like this. I'm sure there's someone out there who knows exactly what they are. Yeah, Yaakov. Definitely not. Definitely not. It's definitely what the non-Jews think, but it was one of four different fruits, which are mentioned by the Midrashim, and one in a Gemara, where it says either it was a grapevine or it was a wheat tree, an actual wheat tree, which may have had actual cakes and bread, which would be amazing, right? Or it was a fig tree, because that's where you got the fig leaf from, right? Or it was an estrog. It was one of those four. The three are mentioned in a Gemara. The estrog is mentioned by a Medrash, right? But at least we have those four that are out there. If the apple tree is really a mention. It's supposed to be some type of citrus fruit, which is the esrog. It totally makes sense why everybody thought that it was an apple, especially because in Shira Shirim, they talk about the apple tree the whole time. But again, it's not necessarily an apple. I don't know. I have absolutely no idea. It could be something else entirely, and that's what it's referring to. So the Chsam Sofer brings down this tosos that says straight out that tapuach means an esrog. It's talking about an esrog itself. Esrogim grow on trees over a period of a few years. In the second year, they grow their fruit before the leaves around them. I don't even know if this is true by apples. I, again, I, I did a little bit of research and I'm look, looking up, you know, like, what are you going to find out through Wikipedia? You know, like, I, I don't know how to do real research on stuff like this. How do I really know what happens by all the, there's hundreds of varieties of apples now. Which ones, do they all grow before the leaves? Everything I looked up said that the leaves grow before the fruit. But I don't know what that means. I have absolutely no idea what that means. I don't know if it's referring to a type of apple that we don't know about. Yeah. Right. That would be the simplest. If there is an apple that we know about that grows the, the fruit before the leaves and smells, that would be terrific. But until then, the Chassam Sofer said it was an estroke. Like, like that, that's a straight out Chassam Sofer that he says in this week's Parsha that it's referring to an estroke instead and it's referring to the second year. Yaakov didn't hear his father to tell him to bring a matamim, right? And yet he ran and did so anyway. He was nasa before nishma. He did what he was supposed to do without hearing it from his dad. And that's the idea. That's why he deserved the brachos. Tom Vidas, where Sternbach says something very similar as well. I just find it to be an unbelievable thing that Tosis brings down that it's an estroke. And the Chassam Sofer clearly says it here that it's referring to an estroke itself. It's in the Chassam Sofer al Torah. I find it unbelievable. So the Malbim says an interesting thing. He says, by every other tree, the ichor is the fruit and the tuffle is the rest of the tree. But by an esrog tree, and again, the Malbim is assuming that the tapuach over here is an esrog tree, right? By an esrog tree, the branches and the leaves retain the smell of the esrog. The esrog is throughout the tree. Now, this hints that Yaakov's essence, his life of Parnassa, would both be Chashuv. His essence of learning Torah and his life of being part of Parnassa would all be important. Even his work would have a good smell. Even when he went to work during the day. When he came back home, he would smell good, meaning he had a ruchnius dika day within his physical confines of what he had to do with his job. That's an amazing, amazing shot. And that would be achieving a level of ruchnius no matter what you do. Maybe that's why I came to Tom Vidas is going to point that out over a little bit later, the idea of what the bracha referred to. It's such an unbelievable thing. But that's one thing about the apple tree itself.
But why was it so important that his clothes smelled like Ganadin? Why did Chazal have to point that out? Notice, by the way, Rashi never said it smelled like Ganadin. He just said Sedei Tapuchim, an apple orchard. And the assumption is he's referring to the apple orchard of Ganadin because that's how Shira Shirim describes it. So what exactly does it mean? Balaturim says Vayorach is the gematria of 224, which was Yom Pesachaya. And Reach is the gematria of 218, which is Leil Pesach. That the brachos were given to Yaakov on the night of Pesach. Targum Yonas Ibn Uziel says that clearly. Pirkei Rebbe Eliezer quotes it as well. It's very clear that Rifkei Minu told Yaakov, this is the night that his children would be redeemed in the future. It was a night of bracha. That's why you should go get the brachos from your father. That's the idea. The Ol Aryeh says in the future, this is why it's so important, B'nai Yisrael would smell the korban Pesach being barbecued on the night or the day of the 14th. They would smell it, and they would run to Moshe Rabbeinu. This is how the Medrash puts it. They ran to Moshe Rabbeinu and said, Moshe Rabbeinu, what is that smell? Where is that smell coming from? And Moshe Rabbeinu would say, ah, that's the Korban Pesach. That is the Korban Pesach, and you can get that smell. You can run and get that smell for yourselves, but you need a bris milah. And all the people at that moment took out knives and gave themselves bris milahs. Because they so badly wanted to have the Korban Pesach, they gave themselves a bris mila at that moment. The smell of Gan Eden hinted to here was what was going to happen in the future for Klau Yisrael when Yaakovinu's great-great-great-grandchildren would be released from Mitzrayim. That's the idea of what it's referred to. That is an unbelievable shot. An unbelievable shot brought by the old Aryans Reb. Uh, Label Katz, who was a Rebbe of my father-in-law quite, quite a bit ago, lived in Brooklyn. Unbelievable shot. The Be'er Yosef says almost the exact same thing. The Be'er Yosef says almost the exact same thing. But I saw in the O'Arya first. The Oznayim Latorah says, Yitzchok Abinu went out to the fields to daven for a shidduch when Rivka came. Only now, many years later, did he realize that his fields were answered properly. He davened then that he should re- meet the right girl, which obviously Rifkin Inu was, that he should have righteous children, and he didn't know that until now when he gave the bracha. When he smelled Ganadin coming from Yaakovinu, emanating from either himself or the clothes that he was wearing, he knew his tfilos in the field had been blessed by Hashem, and he had been answered properly, and that's why you thank the Kodesh Baruch here for having his wishes come true, that's idea. I didn't write it down over here, but it happens to be that the reason why he knew what Ganadin smelled like is based on a medrash that we talked about before, that it's possible that Yaakov, Yitzchak Avinu went to Ganadin for two or three years after the Akedah to heal himself from whatever happened to him at the Akedah. That he went up there for two to three years. He knew what Ganadin smelled like, and he could say, this smells like Ganadin. That's how he would know that smell. I didn't write it down over here, but it's out there. Okay, Targum Yonason says a different shot. It's not Ganadin. That's not what it smells like. It smelled like the Ketores that would be brought in the future in the base of Mikdosh. That is the field of Hashem, if you'll remember. Yaakov Avinu called the base of Mikdash, the Makkah of Mikdash, a bias. Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu called it, a, a, what did he call it? He called it a, a Makkah. He called it a Makkah. Yitzchak Avinu called it a Sada. 
called it an actual field. And therefore it makes sense. It smells like the Sade Asher Borcho Hashem, that HaKadosh Baruch who gave it a bracha to, and that's what it refers to. Rabbi Yol says the same as well as many of the other Balei Tosfos. This is talking about that it smelled like the Ketores of the field, meaning the base of Mikdash, that would be there in the future. The Mi'am says it reminded him of what he smelled on Har Maria at the Akedah, which again was not necessarily Ganeden, like we just said above, it could have been what would be on Har Maria in the future, the Makoma Mikdash, the future Korbanos that were going to be brought here. The Mesha Chachma, Remer Simchot has an unbelievable shot here. He says, everything Yaakov brought to his father to prepare him properly for Nebuah was a form of a Korban. He brought meat, he brought bread, he brought wine for Korbanos, that's the meat, Menachos, that's the bread, and wine for Nesachim. Pirkei Rebbe Lezer goes even further by saying he actually brought Korbanos, the Korban Pesach and the Korban Chagiga, because it was the night of Pesach. So he brought the Korban Pesach, he brought the Korban Chagiga, and he did it on a Bama Kitana, on a small Bama, the way they could. The only thing that was missing was the Ketores. They didn't have Ketores. Yaakov didn't bring Ketores. And that was accomplished by Yaakov being smelled by Yitzchak Avinu. When he smelled his shirt and he brought the Ketores, that was the other way that was right over here. And that's why the Sudda was referring to the base of Mikdash, that everything was accomplished through here by what he did, which is absolutely unbelievable. That's the Meshachachma. What an unbelievable shot. Tam Vidas says that Yitzchak's original intentions were to give Asa brachos in this world, Yaakov to be brachos in the next world. But once he smelled the Ketores, which was a skula for being rich, Every Kohen that did the Ketores became wealthy afterward, right? If that was a school for becoming wealthy, understood that Yaakovin could use his wealth for positive things in this world, that he would do it for great things in this world, and therefore he'd gain more by having this world and the next, and that's why he gave him both brachos. That's why he gave him the bracha of Yitzhak Lecho, which is Gashmias. He also had the bracha of Ruchnias as well. Okay, that's that. All of that dealt with the actual smell that was going on over here. We have a couple things over here. In Pshat, the Ibn Ezra in the Torah says it's likely happened in the mountain of Nisan when the, fl- the, the, flower, the trees began to flower and the smell was such a, was so good he thought Asaph was coming in from the fields. He assumed that the smell was so good it was sprouting flowers out there. Meaning, it was not Ganeden, it was not the Ketores, it was stam the smell of a good field. And that's that. I, he did go out to the fields to go get everything. That's how they say in Pshat. Ravigdor Miller here says that's how Yaakov, Yitzchak Avinu looked at the world. He looked at the world and he smelled the field and he said, what a smell HaKadosh Baruch was put in the world. Sight as well. When he saw something, he said, well, look what HaKadosh Baruch was giving us to see. That's the idea of how Yitzchak Avinu looked at the world, and that's what he pointed out to Yaakov Do you smell this tremendous smell that HaKadosh Baruch who has made? That's what Ravigdor Miller puts in. That's the way he was as well. Right? That's the way the Ravigdor Miller lived his whole life. The Rashbam in the tour suggests that Esav spiced up his clothing and put perfume on it. That it was actual perfume. That's what Yitzchak Avinu smelled. It smelled like a field, but it seemed to have been artificial. That's the idea behind it. The Miam Lois says the reason the way they hold this way is there's no way that HaKadosh Baruch would allow the clothing of other Marishon to go into the hands of two Rishayim like Nimrod and Esav. There's no way. It must be these were special clothes of Esav made of silk or some other type of linen or something. He used it on holidays and they smelled like him and he used to perfume his clothing or go out to the fields. So that's why they didn't like the shot of the Ketores, the clothing of other Marishon. They didn't like that. They thought it must be referring to something much more simple and this is the idea behind it. That's what it was. Now the Balitos, based on the Gemara and Sanhedrin, Lama Zayim and Aleph says, Yaakov did not smell Yaakov Avinu. Yitzchak Avinu did not smell Yaakov Avinu. He smelled Bogdov, the betrayers, the bad people in Klai Yisrael. Al-Tikri Begadov, don't read it as he smelled his Begadim. Read it as Bogdov, the bad people in the future that would be there. Meaning, 
There will be rebels among Yaakovina's children, but they're still going to be filled with mitzvot like a pomegranate has seeds. When they get drunk, he saw. They still say Divrei Torah, and that's why he blessed them. When he saw Reach Bogdov, the people that were out there, there were still bad people, and they were still good. They were still good. That's when a Kaddish Baruch who said they deserve to get a bracha. The Avalois says this references B'nai Yisrael getting tshuva, doing tshuva. That once they do bad, they want to do tshuva, they were going to be blessed. That's the idea behind it. The Harch of Dover has a tremendous piece in the Nitziv about what this means, etc. And he goes on. The base Yeshaya says, Yaakovino sinned here, obviously, but he did it with his mother's command. He did it with what Rivka Yimino told him to do, which makes it an Avera Lishma. You cannot see a person's thoughts when they're doing a mitzvah unless you have access to their neshama or their ruach. Yitzchak was able to see past the physical and realize that what Yaakov was doing was clear. And that's why he used the re'eh over here. Re'eh, re'ach b'ni. He thought the thought process of his son was a positive thought process. And that's what he did. And he goes on about sada that refers to the great things that he did this in the right way. Look, sometimes you have to do something that seems bad because that's what Hashem wants. Moshe Rabbeinu did this. There were three things that Moshe Rabbeinu did that Hashem was eventually masked him to. He broke the luchos. He separated from his wife. And he added one day to the days of when they got the Torah. By Harsina, he added one more day to it. Says the Beis Yishaya, Shin is Shvira Saluchos. The Dalid is Dacha Es Ishto. He pushed away his wife. The hay is Hosif Yom Echad Midaito. He added on one day on his own. That's the Sada. So Yitzchovino understood there are some times where you have to do something that seems like it's against God, or it seems like it's the wrong thing to do. But that's what Akash Baruch wants you to do at that moment. That is the Sada that refers to right over here. Okay, then the Oarye tries to put it together, together with the, the, the Ketores. We know that the Ketores was made up of 11 spices, one of them being the Chelbena. Chelbena smelled horrible. The Chalbana represented Rishayim of Klal Yisrael, the bad people among Klal Yisrael that were not good, that were not that. There was the Chalbana along with everything else. The Chalbana on its own smelled horrible, but together with the other spices led to a tremendous smell that together was something that was really for anybody to smell. That was the tremendous reach of, so to speak, of Ganeden, of the Ketoris itself. They all go together. That means, since he smelled Bogdov, the bad people, bad people on their own, sure, that doesn't work by somebody. That's not going to be good. But if you smell it together with something else, if you smell it together with somebody, with somebody positive, then it becomes something great. You know, it's so funny. The, 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 the Chazanish was a masmid atzum that didn't have time for his own sleep. But when somebody came in and asked him to daven for them, he immediately would daven for them, anybody who has to do so. He'd be osik bishiduchim. He'd do things that seem to be a waste of time. Because when you're dealing with the rest of Klal Yisrael, other people in Klal Yisrael, there's something that you can do by everyone. There's always something that you can positively affect. And that's the idea. That's how the Oraryeh says this right over here itself. There's a Medrash Rab over here, but we're going to skip that for right now. We don't have that much time over here. There's also a... Uh, uh, Reb Moshe Feinstein in the Kol Ram, a Meashiloach, a Munasi Techa, the Chidush Rim, the Noam Megadim, that goes through the Chakal Tapuch in Kaddishim, which is absolutely unbelievable. The Kol Ram goes through why the Bracha seems to be contingent on the smell, etc. But Ksavak says there are two types of smells. Number one is the smell of a rose or a flower. That comes naturally. You smell a rose, you smell a flower, and it smells good in and of itself. The other one is something that takes on the smell of something else. Like if you perfume your clothing or if you put on deodorant that smells really good, that's the idea behind it. You have the other one that's right there. 
There's so too when it comes to tzaddikim, he says, the Ksavah Kabbalah. There are some people who are able to hold themselves back and do good things, even though they really want to do bad things. They're in the mood to do something bad, but they hold themselves back. They're like, no, I'm not going to do that. Those are tzaddikim b'mikre. They're tzaddikim, but b'mikre. Others are tzaddikim be'etzim. Tzaddikim be'etzim are people that conquer their Yetzir Hara and are on a much higher level. They don't even think to do anything bad. A tzaddik be'etzim has gone beyond that, similar to, do you, do you have a choice to turn off a light on Shabbos when you go into a room? Sure, I guess you have a choice. But who in the, who in the world is turning off a light on Shabbos? No one's going into a room and turning off a light on Shabbos. It's beyond my, my Bechira. It's beyond my, my choice. I'm not going to make that choice. I'm not going to choose to turn off a light or turn on a light on Shabbos. I'm just not going to do it. So to be here, there are tzaddikim that are beyond it. They wouldn't do anything bad. They can't even imagine doing something bad. That's the idea behind it. Yitzchak Avinu was telling Yaakov to see and become a reach ha'etzem. Reach, something in and of itself. A tzaddik who's conquered his Yetzir so much that he has the smell within himself. He's not taking on the smell of something else. He's not a tzaddik who's able to conquer his Yetzir one at a time. Here I'll do it, and there I'll do it, there I won't, and here I won't, and here. Not that. A person who's completely conquered at the point where that's no longer part of the issue. And that's part of the bracha that he gave him. This immediately leads into the Yitin Lecha. Similarly, that Teres Mordechai says there are two types of fruit in the world. When first harvested, they return their pleasant smell. They're ripe. They're delicious. Others have been picked long before. And by the time you pick it up and you try to smell it, it's a little bit rotten. They lost their taste. They lost their smell. And they require other additives like dyes or whatever it is to make it look good because they themselves are not there. So too, there are two types of sadiqim, he says. Those who have the strength to fight against the corrupt society around them and persevere, never losing their freshness and remaining who they are no matter who they're going up against. And those who don't have that power, they mask themselves in other ways, making them look like they're better than they actually are. Yitzchuk was telling Yaakov, always walk in feeling like you're fresh from the field. Always walk in feeling like your vigor should never diminish. You should always have your strength. You should always have your power. This sweetness of Torah should be with you no matter where you go. That's the type of tzaddik you want to be. You want to be that harvested fruit that's picked off the tree and retains its smell no matter what. That's what you want to be right over there. I'm going to end with uh, one piece for Chaim Knievsky, right? That, uh, the, the, there's an idea that Tzatnas Panech brings down, but it says the following. It says, there was a chassid who lived in Kalish who used to host Rav Zelig, a Talmud of Rabbanim of Shishcha every Shabbos. Rav Zelig used to have it a very long Shimon Asher. They went way longer than the minion itself, right? So the chassid would usually wait for him, but one time he was super hungry. He couldn't wait for him anymore. So he sent his son to go wait for him while he went home to go make Kiddush first. So Rav Zelig was older. He needed to lean on somebody while walking. When they were walking together, him, Rav Zelig, and his son, right, this man's son, the chassid's son, he suddenly stopped and said, let's wait here for a minute. I smell Gan Eden, and I don't want to leave. The son couldn't smell anything. He went back and he told this chassid, the chassid did a bunch of research and he realized this was an area where a few generations earlier, the Mugin Avram, or Avram Gumbiner, the famous commentator on the Shulchan Aruch, used to live, learn, and daven. The smell remained there for those who, need, who were able to smell it. The Mugin Avram was right there. The Rav Chaim Isan similarly was once traveling through a village Right, it's called Makali, Makali, Makali. I don't, I don't know exactly how to pronounce it. He told the wagon driver to stop suddenly. He got out and he entered the inn on the side of the road, asking for the oldest person around. When the person came out, he said, "Did a tzaddik?" Right, it was the innkeeper who was ninety years old. He said, "Did a tzaddik once stay here?" That's what Chaim Isan's asked. 
that a tzaddik won't stay here. She said, once, many years ago, the Kedusha Slevi stopped by the sin on his way to Hungary and he stayed here for two weeks. The Rebbe said he could smell it from the wagon. The smell from inside the inn from the Kedusha Slevi from 50 years ago, staying there for two weeks. He could smell it from the wagon. He couldn't understand what it was, but now he understands. That's a possibility. There are people that have that ability to smell in this world something that's so special. On the other hand, the opposite way, one time they say this story about two people. I heard it in the name of Rochanan Wasserman. Somebody told me that he heard it from the name of Rabax. Another person that he told me that he heard it from the, from the Roshiva of the Mir, Mir Yeshiva. It's a story about one of these Gedolim. I don't know who it was. But they were going through, they were driving through Manhattan. At one point, Rabochanan, who had his eyes down the entire time, said, it smells horrible right now. They couldn't smell anything, but they were going right through Times Square. I can barely even find out what's wrong <laughs> by, by that type of it. It's unbelievable. And that's why somebody told me, it was a very, very holy id. He told me when people were losing their sense of smell from COVID, he said, there's something that a Kaddish Baruch was hinting to us now. I have no idea what it is. No idea. But the fact that we lost, I lost my sense of smell for six weeks from COVID. Six weeks altogether, I could not smell by Barei Minebisamim. I was being yotze through somebody else or having somebody else make the bracha for me. But I mamish could not smell. The fact that we couldn't smell is something there. There's kedusha here. So the fact that Yitzchak Avinu looked at Yaakov and said, that is a huge thing that we literally have no idea what they're talking about. We don't know. We just don't have it. We just don't have it. It's too bad. Have a good job, everybody.